you really have to understand your own business and define it for yourself so that when you get those people who say, hey, I'm looking for another 50 cents, can I have it? You can actually have an approach to say, this is how we do it. And let's have this conversation again in two months once you've done A, B, or C, or once the appropriate time comes. Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Today, we are super excited to have on a very special guest. Her name's Laura Tolhook. She is an HR specialist. Now, we've never really had an HR person on the, on the show before, and so we're super excited to have her on. Laura is the owner of Essential HR, and she has been in the industry for over 15 years and has worked with some of the top people in the retail, food service, and restaurant field. So we're super excited to have her on here. And she works with small businesses to help them attract and retain top talent, top employees. And this is something that's huge in the landscape business right now. And we're super excited to have you on. Thanks for being here, Laura. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Scott. Thank you so much. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about how you could be a little more confident Mm -hmm. in your compensation structure. Is that right? Yeah, it's a tough topic Mm -hmm. and it's one that a lot of people shy away from. So I'm very excited to, to delve into it a little bit more. Yeah, I just actually before the show started, I was telling Laura in our in our landscape business because we're short on people. So we actually had to increase some of our foreman's pay up to five dollars more an hour just to get some of the people to come even work. And it's just a tough time right now. Yeah. And if you don't have a support structure, if you don't if you're not confident in your compensation, it's kind of like, you know, trying to guess how many jelly beans are in the jar (laughs) and you're just trying to make your best guess and hope that you win. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think compensation is a really great topic to be talking about with business owners. Yeah. You mind sharing a little bit of uh, your background, your little story? Sure. So we started Essential HR um, a couple of years ago when I, I come from a small business family. So my father has a small business and I watched as I was in the corporate world with larger retail operations. I watched him in with his small business and I thought, hey, I can help here and let me do that. And he'd reach out to me for here. And I said, you know what? I'm guessing you're not the only person with under 20 employees who needs some help in their HR structures. And so as I grew in in my experience, I decided to branch out and start an HR consulting operation that is specific to small business. So we are a hands-on operation who understand the tenacity that (laughs) small business owners have to have, but also the craziness that sometimes goes on and how we can support business owners and managers in their practices to help them really have confidence in what they're doing and how they're moving forward. So we do that in two ways. We either do that by projects. So, you know, recruitment projects, compensation projects, building performance management systems, onboarding policies, or we do that by being um, like part of your team on a retainer. So kind of like having an in-house HR, but maybe it's just five hours a month. So we have two different ways that we support small businesses. That's awesome. Because I don't think many landscapers really think about these type of things, really. You know, they may have like an employee handbook that they threw together or have a little simple onboarding process or not, maybe not even have an onboarding process. So I think this is a great <laughs> thing that you could just you know, do five hours a month or something like yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it helps with those questions. Like, you know, we just had a client who said, I had somebody with a workplace accident. What are my next steps? Um, and they don't have it very often. So what do you do mm-hmm. to make sure that you're feeling confident in your next steps? So those 
little questions often are great for those five hours a month retainers. Yeah, that's a huge thing because we may not know all the laws or, or you know, everything goes on and you guys, that's what you it's do. That's what we so. do. We love it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy like that. <laughs> Everybody's got their specialty. So we're talking a little bit about wage bands. Now, some people may not understand what wage bands are. Could you explain that a little bit further? Yeah, so wage bands are really giving kind of a minimum, um, a mid and a max to each specific role. Now you might have somebody uh, like a general laborer and you have min, mid, max, but then you might have a general labor too. So it's not just generally one kind of wage band for all people. It goes by role. So maybe your general laborer one is somebody who's fresh, excited, but really never had their hands in dirt before. Whereas a general labor two might be somebody who has come in with five or seven years experience and has a little bit more um, has a little bit more background in what your operations are. But that goes all the way through from you know your laborers to your supervisors to your foreman to your maybe your office and admin staff. So setting up wage bands so that you know what you have available to you to pay for each individual that you hire or as they move along in seniority with you and along with years of service, what you can move them through and how high your wage band goes. Yeah, that, that's so important because I think a lot of people come in, you know, just start off as a labor and they have something to look forward to, to move up to, you know, maybe a foreman and a supervisor or something along those lines, and maybe a manager at some point. But having those different levels of labor, I think is a huge thing to keep people. Yeah. And it also helps you define, okay, this is what we need for years of service in order to pay this amount. And this is what we need for our new people. Because if you have those defined levels, then you're not just picking, again, you might have a wage band of eight to 28 and you're not just picking a number, but you understand by basis of what their experience is. Is there any other benefits too to having the wage bands besides just showing the, the employee? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of benefits. It is an administratively heavy process. It can be, but the benefits definitely outweigh the cons. So for example, a lot of times when we lose somebody, when they resign, when we have turnover, we always say it was money. I would say for, in my experience, 75% of the time we say, no, no, they just left for more money. They wanted more money. And that's not necessarily always the case. But it's our go-to because it's the easiest go-to. So having a defined wage band and compensation structure really helps us be more confident that we are in line with other organizations, other competitors within our industry. And that if we have that turnover, we can start looking at, well, maybe it's not money. What else could it be? And help define that employer brand a little bit more through all of our programs. It also helps with cost control and planning. So if you know what your levels or what your steps are, you know whether you give raises by you know a dollar amount or a percentage amount, you can adequately plan for your performance raises or your cost of living raises each year by having a defined compensation system. But there's also the idea of transparency. And this is a kind of a, a, a you know hit or miss depending on who you are. If you have defined wage levels, you can make that transparent to your people. And if by making it transparent, it, it may be easier to hire because you're not going to be doing interviews with people for you know an hour on end only to find out they wanted $35 an hour and you're paying 17. So having that transparency in your wage bands can help with that whole aspect of efficiency when you're hiring. And most often, the best thing I love about HR structures is consistency. So the wage band is going to help you know, how do we bring people in? Where do we bring people in? Why do we bring people in? And when you get asked about it by other team members, you have a very defined and confident approach in explaining why one person may make this amount and another person may make this amount. 
hopefully you never have to have those conversations, but we know people talk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they do come up whether we want them to or not, but having a, a, a strong support in your compensation program will help you make those decisions and have those conversations easier. Sure. Now, would you put those wage bands in like your employee handbook, put them on your hiring? Do you put those out? Yeah. So two approaches, if you're going to be transparent about it, you can. Um, I think that's a very proactive approach. Personally, not a lot of people I know do that unless you're required to for pay equity through the government. But what I find it's more beneficial for is for the owner, for the managers to know this is our system. So oftentimes it is an internal document that's not necessarily shared with anybody else except those who make wage decisions. Very nice. Yeah. And I I think this is something that could definitely be used in the landscape industry because I don't think many people do that. They'll just be, okay, this labor is going to be whatever, 13 or $15 an hour and just whatever's off the top of your head. Compensation is scary. Knowing what to do, how to do it, when to do it. I mean, you guys are great at what you do, you know, getting dirty, getting creative, getting those customer service relationships solid. That is your business. Building compensation structures, that's kind of like a, a side project. <laughs> and if, you, if that's not your forte, that's going to be pushed off to the side, just like a lot of other maybe systems or, or structures that aren't necessarily in the wheelhouse of what you do on a regular basis. But the rewards of having a compensation system that you can be proud of and confident in are certainly going to have a payoff. So very much so, you know, we have so much coming our way that sometimes this just gets put into the back corner of our minds and we say, well, we'll get to it, but it never comes into fruition until it's right in front of us. So how, how would you suggest going about creating these wage bands? There's two ways. There's a more complex way and then there's a simple way. And we'll kind of take the middle road of both. Now, there's compensation gurus out there who do some fantastic work. But let's talk about small business and what you know a small business needs, because that's very different than what maybe a compensation guru does. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you want to do is understand what you're evaluating. So this is kind of taking the approach of let's see if we can standardize why we pay what we pay across the board. So taking, for example, things like skills, responsibilities, mental efforts, and kind of putting a number on those. And that way we can see this is why this person is in wage band J and this person is in wage band L and this person is in wage band P. Because we understand from a numbers perspective, what effort, what responsibility, what physical effort, what working conditions they're under. So that's taking a broader approach and it's a very systematic and it's called evaluating benchmark data. That can or cannot be a part of your process. If you want to go simple, we can pare that right down. And so the first thing you're going to do is evaluate your job descriptions and you're going to make sure they're up to date. So you have a clear understanding of the responsibilities of each person. Yeah. The second thing you're going to do is do pay rate data. So this can be going into some informal or formal pay evaluation. And we can talk a little bit more about that. The third thing you're going to do is build your pay scale based off of those two items. And then you're going to put it into a policy. But we can go back and talk a little bit. You want to talk about like the job descriptions and how we evaluate those? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few different ways you can evaluate a job description. So based off of skills, so things like interpersonal, creativity, communication, physical. So what skills does a person need in order to be successful in this role? Or what do you need them to have in order to be successful in the role? Then you can look at responsibilities. Is there supervision? Is there accountability? Is there budgetary responsibilities? Is there product responsibilities? Is there safety um, expectations? And all of that gets built into responsibilities. And then there's mental efforts. So consider somebody, do they have to handle complaints? 
Is it a detention demanding type of role? Is there an emotional aspect to the role that takes a toll on individuals? Is it a highly physical job? Is there speed involved? Is there sitting? Is there bending? Yeah. And then the working conditions themselves. Is it, is it a dirty job? Is it a dangerous job? Is there exposure to certain things? Is there a risk of injury or exposure to temperature? All of those things is what you're going to evaluate a job on in order to make sure that you're setting your compensation at the adequate amount. And the reason you evaluate all those things is because when you look at your system as a whole, how do you evaluate an administrative professional against a general laborer? It's very hard. <laughs> it, it's very difficult. So you have to figure out what are the most important aspects of of our work and what we expect of our people and the factors that go into our work so that we can evaluate it in the same sense of how do we evaluate um, a lead hand from an operations manager? So what is the distinguishing factors in between there that gives the difference in pay between the lead hand and an operations manager? Yep. So that's where that job description evaluation comes in. And it can sound overwhelming, but I think once you have it in place, when you bring on a new person, so if you bring on a specialist of some sort, you can jot it right into your evaluation and you can see exactly where it would fit within your compensation structure. I like that because in our academy, we have we talk about you needing job, job descriptions. And then also we have, we call it a skills assessment form. Yes. And basically it has different things like they can operate certain equipment, they can know how to plant stuff properly. And just, we have a whole list of different things. And this is what we suggest using it for review time, say, and then you can use that to- You could build that- In order to compensate. Yeah, you could build that right into a compensation structure. Yeah, I like that. That's very cool. Yeah, that's a great transition. And then when you talk about reviews, when you build your compensation structure, I mean, you can do things like we need A, B, and C in order to move somebody to general labor two. Mm -hmm. And until they have A, B, and C, they're general labor one. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it works as an entire system. And once it's in place, it makes things so much easier for when people have questions like, why did Joe get a you know 25 cent raise and, and I only got 10 cents? Yep. And you're like, well, listen, this is the next three things I need you to do in order to move forward in your compensation. Yeah. And that's exactly why we had the skill assessment because we had that exact yeah. same issue. Well, he got this much raise and I only got this. Well, okay, this is why he knows how to operate this. You do not, you know, you didn't do this or whatever it was. And that just made things so much easier. Otherwise it was just plain favors they felt like. Well, and, and too, you know, we all have personal biases. Mm -hmm. We all have the people that we love to work with and the people that, you know, if we never had to go to lunch with them again, we probably wouldn't. So oftentimes we don't have the same, you know, we don't have an unbiased approach into the compensation. And if we can actually nail down what it is we need of people and how we are going to evaluate that, it gives a much more fair approach to our people. And I once had a, a CEO say to me, he's like, you know what, we can't always be nice, but we can always be fair. And I always kind of stuck with that, you know, like nice would be giving everybody a raise. Fair, it wouldn't be. Yep. Uh, you know, we can't give additional compensation to those who aren't performing. Otherwise, our top performers, they're going to say, well, what's the point of me, you know, pushing twice as hard yep. if there's no difference in what we're going to be making at the end of the day? So true. And I, I've been in jobs like that myself. Why am I busting my, yeah. my hump and not doing anything different than the guy sitting around yeah. all day? <laughs> exactly. So there has to yeah. be some kind of payoff, some kind of reward for those um, people who meet and exceed expectations. What do you think after you do that and you do the assessment, 
how do you go about moving the person up? You just say, okay, we're going to give you a raise. Yeah. Or? So there's a different, a few different approaches. So there's the cost of living. Um, if you go with the cost of living approach, everybody probably gets 2% or 2.5% to 4%, depending on what cost of living is determined each year. And those who have done outstanding performance, you could give them cost of living plus. You could do 50 cents. You could do one dollar. Um, you want to base your wage band so that you can see the steps and the progressions on how to move up. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you determine those wage bands? Let's talk about a bit of market research. So there are some fantastic giant books and systems that you can purchase at top dollar to tell you what competitors and whatever industry is paying whatever position. But thanks to, you know, recent technology, there's also a lot of kind of crowdsourcing information that you can find as a general guideline. I would never say make it a hard and fast guideline when you find crowdsourcing information on the internet, but you can take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. So the places like Glassdoor and Payscale are often places that we go to just to get a general idea of what the industries are paying. There's a few others out there. And if you just, you know, type in just a little bit of yep. compensation information, like uh, pay rate for landscape specialist, you'll get a little bit of information out there. You, you want to understand it within the context of your business though. So for example, I have not-for-profit clients who have hired a program manager. Well, their program manager salary is not going to be the same as a recreational for-profit organization. You just have to understand it within your own industry and know who you are as an employer and what the other perks are. Not everything is about salary. Salary is very important. But there are other aspects to your organization that will also draw people in. And once they're in, we'll have them stay because at the end of the day, most of the time people want the devil they know and not the devil they don't know. If you have a great organization, somebody's not going to go down the street for a dollar more. Yep. If there's other aspects of the, of the business that they're not happy with, they might leave for 10 cents. But if your organization is internally strong and your systems are there, no one's going to go down the street for an extra 50 cents because you never know what you'll get when you go down the street, but you know what you have right now. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's huge in the landscape business. They'll having the culture built up where they want to come to work is, is, is huge. And we've seen that in our business. We kept people for 10 to 15 yeah. years in our, in our, it's kind of unheard of, but they like the culture and they like the pay. They love the people they work with yep. and they know when somebody is not fitting the bill that there's going to be action taken from that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you also recommend, I guess, talking to like some of the other landscape businesses in your area too, to find out what pay and everything Absolutely. too? Absolutely. And if you have industry contacts, that's incredible relationships there that can also help out. Oftentimes you can look at industrial organizations as well, like chambers of commerce might provide similar information or similar systems that they've you know done some pay research on. Maybe the overarching large federally regulated landscape companies might also provide some of that data. But again, we have to take that with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you have to make sure that your payroll is covered. And if you're going to pay 50% more than what you are right now, you know, we better make sure that we have the, the payroll <laughs> in the bank to take care of that. So just because somebody else is paying, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to change your wage structures to that. But it does give you some good data to understand where you are within that system. 
There's a, it's called an NALP, the National Association of Landscape Professionals in our industry, and they do a compensation survey every few years. Perfect. And uh, it has some of the basic labor foreman and all those type of things, and then all kinds of data on that stuff. So it, it's actually, I downloaded something the other day from them on the basic one. They do have a whole book, which you said it's, <laughs> it's top dollar to pay for the book. <laughs> um, but they do have a lot of stuff just even free that you can get to. Yeah, and again... If you find people who are within your, that you're asking when they're being hired, hey, look at how much are you looking to make? You can also, depending on the state, um, some of the pay equity rules are different, but sometimes you can't ask what they've made previously. But you can also say, what hmm. what were you making back at this role? If that's allowed with under the rules of the specific state. Sure, sure. So how do you go about tying this employee performance into this? I know we talked a little about just reviews. Is there anything else you can do? Yeah, I think you need to determine what your compensation strategy is going to be. So if your compensation is going to be tied into performance and it's going to be possibly a yearly, maybe a biannually operation or or system that you're going to review, you have to know that up front. And that's going to help you with a lot of those tougher compensation questions that you might get from your employees. Nobody really likes being asked for a raise every three weeks by a random employee. It's much easier if you have a structured system. So, you know, okay, in April of every year we review and this is how we move forward. It's either through a performance review or it's a cost of living. You know, maybe you're still at the point where uh, you don't have a structured performance review. So maybe it's just April. Um, And then we just make those decisions based off of how we feel, which is not, you know, my HR friendly approach, but it it might be the case in some businesses. So Mm -hmm. understanding when you want to provide those compensation reviews and how you're going to do it. So is there a three-month raise that you give? Is there a, after you kind of nail a new skill or take on a certain type of responsibility, is there an increase there? You really have to understand your own business and define it for yourself so that when you get those people who say, hey, I'm looking for another 50 cents, can I have it? You can actually have an approach to say, this is how we do it. And let's have this conversation again in two months once you've done A, B, or C, or once the appropriate time comes. Now, do you recommend telling this to the people when they're, yeah. you know, you're onboarding them? How you give reviews and how you evaluate that definitely should be an open conversation with your people. There's nothing to hide about that, especially when you have a strong system set up, right? You want to let people know, like, this is how we evaluate, you know, all of our workers. And this is how we move forward with compensation reviews. And that will save them a lot of, hey, it's been six months. Was I supposed to get a review? Do I get reviews? Will I ever be making more money? Um, All of those kind of things that go in somebody's head that they might not actually say out loud can help alleviate very quickly. I I feel too, a lot of people don't do the performance reviews or any reviews at all. And I think that really hurts your business. I know in my past, in my history, I've liked getting the reviews. I like to know what I need to improve on. And I think people need that. And especially like the younger people seem to, to like that. They just want to hear, not necessarily that they're great or anything, but they just want to know how they're doing and how they can improve. Yeah. I think that the younger generation has definitely upped the game with how, you know, we operate with feedback. I don't think it's to say though, that the older generation doesn't want it. I think the younger generation has just been more empowered to say, this is what I want. Yeah, true. So definitely the feedback is, is really important. And I think the whole concept of performance reviews can be a little bit overwhelming. Some people say, oh, I don't even know, you know, performance review time, you see people like running for the hills, but it doesn't have to be that exhausting. It doesn't even have to be that formal. Mm -hmm. Just communication to me is more important than a formal performance review. Sure. Talking to your people, understanding where they're at, 
what they enjoy, what they want to work towards, what their goals are, and then peppering that in with how you can help them get there or what you think they might need as next steps to uplevel their game in, in your organization. That's just a conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be scary. There doesn't have to be numbers attached to it. I don't think anybody really likes to be a number anyways, but it doesn't have to have all of that formality. If you don't have it, don't wait for a formal system to have those conversations with your people. Yeah. The conversation is, is more important than the paper. Yeah, no, I like that. And you can go back to like, we were talking about some mm -hmm. like the skills assessment sheet and use that to, okay, you know, if they're, especially if they're asking for a raise, well, okay, well, you need to do these, this, this, and this, in order to, yeah. to achieve the next And those skills assessment level. sheets are a godsend when it comes to just saying A, B, and C, look at five minute conversation yep. and we already got this covered. And as far as it goes with, you know, the level of engagement that your team will have with your organization, it's in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you have any suggestions on when somebody does come to you with those, you know, those, Hey, I, I'd like to have a raise, you know, but they're not really there. You don't have any suggestions or tips on how to handle that. You got to be upfront mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if they're not at the place where they're entitled to a raise because of performance, or you don't have, you know, just a general cost of living and they're just asking for a raise, you have to be upfront. This is how we do it. And this is what we need from you in order to bring you up to the next level. Yeah. They might've come from an organization where this is how they did it. You just ask for a raise whenever you felt the need to. So it might not necessarily be, you know, a personal flaw. It might just be how they've been trained to get additional compensation, but you need to be clear and you need to be upfront. And again, if you have a compensation strategy and if you have a compensation policy, then it's very easy for you to say, this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's always the, you know, why did I not get as big of an increase as Joe? And, and you're always going to have that. And I think the more you shy away from those, the more you'll feel them creep up on you. So if you can get ahead of it by explaining, again, those five-minute conversations, this is what we need you to do in the next six months, and then you will see this increase, then you know you can really help avoid the headache. Because I don't think anybody really likes somebody walking up to them randomly at two o'clock in the afternoon when you're not ready for that conversation. You're like... <laughs> Um, it, it's just an awkward, an awkward thing. So getting ahead of it is definitely more important. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause we, we would have that exact same thing. It usually be at the end of the day, you know, you're ready to go home as the owner and they come up to you, Hey, I need to talk to you. And then they just blurt out of nowhere. Like, where'd this come from? You know? Yeah. Like, and sometimes your brain is not there to respond like the way that you would have an hour later when you rethought about the conversation. Yep. So yeah, definitely having, having the system in place is helpful. Yeah. And, and what I've found in that situation is, you know, let's we'll talk about this tomorrow or set a date. Hey, we're talking about this next Wednesday or whatever it is, but let them know you're thinking about it, but yep. we need to put this off. We can't do this right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. in front of 23 main street, you know, yeah. like let's yeah. find an office time for yes. this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think this is some great, great information. I think landscapers could definitely use this type of wage band. And I don't think many of us, you know, I never really thought about it too much until you kind of brought it up on how this can definitely help your landscape business. I appreciate that. Now, what other services does your firm, Essential HR, do? 
Yeah, so we do full service HR, which means if you were to have an HR manager in your building, what would you want them to do? That's what we do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, posting jobs, building job descriptions, building the job evaluation for these wage bands, for example, doing recruitment and the screening. Because, you know, if there's anything that a business owner doesn't like, it's having to spend 30 minutes at the end of a hair raising day with a person who's not going to be Mm -hmm. useful within their organization. So we try to get, you know, the best candidates in front of business owners so that they don't have to go through that and they can focus on what they do. We also build performance systems. So performance management systems and communication systems, onboarding programs, compensation, like we've been talking about today, and really making it unique to the specific organization, the specific business, and what is a part of their culture? How can we build on it? And how can we make sure whatever we're working on or the business is actually going to be used? Because we could build you a great onboarding system, And if you're like, yeah, this is nice, and you attempt to use it once, and you're like, it's way too overwhelming, you're never going to use again. Mm -hmm. So let's build something that already works within your culture, within your communication structures, and within your team, so that it can be effective, and then we can build on it from there. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, we do retainer services for people as well. So when you get, you know, the random, Laura, uh, my person just called in with pink eye. What do I do about that? Who, like, do I pay? Do I not pay? Do I send them home? Are they allowed to be here? Do I make them wear an eye patch? Like all those questions is what we especially deal with on retainer services, those employee relations, performance issues and the such like that. No, that's amazing. That's great. You just deal with a lot of smaller businesses because I don't know, I personally think of HR firms. I think you know they're dealing with large, huge yeah. organizations. We've had people who have two person businesses who are expecting to grow quickly mm-hmm. and we built systems before they even had employees. And we've had, you know, up to 50 people where we do in-house retainer services, but just at 10 hours a week. Very nice. Very nice. So across the gamut. So how can somebody reach out to you and find out a little more information about you or Yeah. So LinkedIn is where we're at. If you search Essential HR Canada, you can find us there. But we talked a little bit about the factors and those elements of work, the responsibilities, the skills, just different things that you could evaluate a job on. Mm -hmm. And I put a little download together for your team and it lists, I don't know, I think there's about 70 different factors of work that somebody could be evaluated on if you're building a job evaluation system. And you can find that at www.essentialhr.ca slash million dollar. Great. We'll put those links in in the show notes and everything too. So you guys can get to them. Perfect. No, well, thank you very much for taking the time to be on with us today, Laura. We definitely appreciate it. And it's a lot of information in there, a lot of things for landscapers to think about. Yeah. And it can feel overwhelming, but once you actually get into it, you'll realize, well, this is just simple. Mm -hmm. This is actually a lot more simple than I expected it to be. And having those systems are going to make your life so much easier. Yeah. And I agree totally with how you can have those skills assessments lined up and then you can tell, okay, well, you haven't reached this point. And it just makes your life a lot easier. You know, mm-hmm. once you get it all set up, it's just like anything else. We, we promote system procedures. And once you get this system set up, it just makes things easier down the road. Absolutely. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Laura, well, thank you very much for being on today. And uh, we look forward to talking to you more in the future. Thanks so much, Scott. I appreciate it. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message.